In the name of the God who loves us with persistence. Amen. Amen. Oh, there is good news to be had today. The good news is that the heroes of today's story, the voyaging Jacob who wrestles with God and the persistent widow who demands justice, these heroes are today's role models for us. And these heroes are decidedly not nice. They are not polite and they're not that socially likable, but by God, they are here today to show us the way. We are so very polite, aren't we? I mean, we might nitpick a bit about the minor details of life and argue with our closest friends and family, might get a touch of road rage or internet rudeness, but for the most part, when it comes to the most important things in life, we 21st century New England Episcopalians are just a bit averse to making waves. We do not want to offend or openly judge or pressure anyone. Our doors are wide open, but we withhold our deepest passions and beliefs in fear of seeming too, I don't know, evangelical, devoted, unscientific, closed-minded. Name your paranoia. My hunch is that it keeps you and me from being Jacob and the widow. Jacob was a complicated guy. He had a habit of being indirect, dishonest, and sneaky with the people closest to him, which is perhaps why today's story is such a poignant turning point for him and, frankly, for the people of God. Jacob is traveling to a new land with his family, and he sends them on ahead across a river without him for the night. And he stays behind, alone. On the riverbank, a mysterious man appears, and the two wrestle. Jacob fights hard, and the mysterious one is unable to prevail. So he hits Jacob hard on the hip. And Jacob persists, demanding that his opponent bless him. There was nothing nice or polite going on, just desperate and real. And so Jacob wore God down. He was given a blessing and a new name, Israel, which means God wrestler. And he walked away limping and forever changed. He walked away knowing that he had seen God face to face. Some say Jacob was more honest, more real after that day, not unscathed, but absolutely improved by persistence and struggle. And even more significantly in that struggle, Israel was born. Amazing things happen when persistence is chosen over politeness. The widow, too, persisted. She badgered her local judge continually for justice until he relented. There were no niceties there. I like the translations that stick with the actual Greek verb for what he was afraid of. 
that the unjust judge relented to the widow's persistent demands for justice because he was afraid she would give him a black eye. Even the translators of the book that we use, this translation, the New Revised Common, the New Revised Standard Version, even they have succumbed to the domesticating of our faith by making this widow softer than she was in Jesus' parable and translating the judge's fear into, I better give in before she wears me out. Two-year-olds wear us out. This woman was fierce. That's what the translation is. Jesus asks the the disciples if God will find fierce, persistent faith on earth. Or will we be found with domesticated hearts and polite prayer lives and watered down convictions? In diving into that question, I thought back to our clergy conference this year, one of the people who has helped presiding Bishop Michael Curry with his way of love offering is a woman named Jerusalem Greer. Great name, right? Jerusalem was the guest speaker at this year's clergy conference, and she compared modern progressive Christianity to inviting someone over to your house for tea, and then while they sit at your kitchen table, you take an apple pie out of the oven. And you put it on the table and cut a piece for yourself. You don't offer it to your guests because what if they're gluten intolerant or don't like apples? And as you enjoy your pie, you think about how much you'd like your guests to have the same wonderful experience, but you don't want to pressure them or put them off. You want to respect their choice to just sit there on the other end of the table, not eating pie. You forget that you can say to them how wonderful it is, how much you love it. And you can offer them a piece and be just fine with their response. You forget to offer this delicious apple pie because you have been weakened by politeness. We have been weakened by politeness. In his letter from the Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King Jr. bemoaned the politeness of the white population and the unfortunate norm of being more devoted to order than to justice. I would say this is still true. And it's not just about race, though it is about race. We are polite about other things, too. We are polite about the protection of creation, doing our part here and there, but not asking ourselves and society to do away with the large and small destructive habits and products that need to be done away with. We are polite about economic injustice, knowing that for a true revolution, an actual shift from commercialism to the ways that Jesus and the early Christians taught us, most of us in this room would have to give up a lot. So why make waves? We are polite about the violence and injustice being done in the name of our country around this world. Perhaps we are sad, and perhaps we are angry, and perhaps we even repost really compelling articles online. 
But are we persistently fighting back to the best of our ability? I'm not. We are polite in the claiming or the not claiming of our Christian identity out there, beyond these walls. Because what if someone thinks we're a different kind of Christian, a less loving kind or a more judgmental kind? So we sideline it. Missing out on the opportunity to reclaim Jesus' name as a force of love in this world. Lived out through us. We are polite in our prayer life, standing on the surface of these written prayers or measuring out the words of our on-the-spot prayers, making sure we don't ask too much or too often or too selfishly or too hopefully. As if there's an economy or a limit to God's ability to hear us and be with us. Jesus said, if even the unjust judge relented to the persistent widow, how much more will a loving God pour out love on you? Your prayers, pray day and night, will not be ignored. We know that the answering of that prayer is harder to interpret, and we know that every time we stand in the presence of suffering where there is persistent prayer. But our persistence calls God in and demands God's blessing. Jacob wrestled with God, and Jacob held on for that blessing. And Jesus asks, if that kind of persistence can be found on earth, Are we willing to wrestle with God? Are we willing to confess when we say our confession in just a few minutes that in ways known and unknown we have let the sin of niceness and the toxicity of politeness rule an unjust day? Are we willing to ask God to help us live and serve in newness of life? And can we enter that newness of life fiercely, passionately, and fully? I hope so. Because the grief of this world needs us to let go and wail. The injustice of this world needs us to threaten the unjust judges with black eyes. The journeys that we are asked to embark upon will ask us to wrestle with God. The Jesus in this world is asking us to love him out in the open. God is asking for our passion. And by God, I pray that our passion is stronger than our politeness every living day until the kingdom of God rains down. Amen.